0: Okay, so the bartender says to the gerbil, those aren't wood shavings you're sitting on. (laughs) Oops, that sounds like our intro.
1: That was the dumbest joke I've ever heard. Hey everybody, this is Clint. I'm Chad, I'm hilarious,
0: and this is School Dew. It's the podcast made by teachers for teachers brought to you by two middle-aged teachers dads and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about the american education system we hope you find our discussions warm and homey like those
1: youtube yule logs yeah or like those uh youtube pimple popping videos (laughs) i know the script says that i'm not supposed to like that but i kind of weirdly like those (laughs) videos. (laughs) but yeah warm and homey like a pimple-popping video, which are enjoyable, weirdly, grossly. (laughs) But anyway, no matter what you're into, we hope you enjoy the show. As you may remember, we've done a few Would You Rather segments over the years where we each challenge each other to decide between two relatively
0: unpleasant scenarios that could potentially face an educator. Today we're going to put a little spin on both that game and our show format in general. I've stumbled upon a large list of teacher-made Would You Rathers, Some silly, and some that pose some legitimately difficult decisions. We're going to dive into a bunch of these and see where our discussion leads. We're going to start with some of the a little bit sillier ones, and then maybe we'll get into some ones that pose a little more uh, education-based content. So let's start with this one. Would you rather eat off a table where students were just sitting, or... Eat homemade food item given to you by a student with less than stellar hygiene. So eat
1: off of the table like I have to set my food on the table or my plate is just sitting on the table.
0: Yeah, we're going to assume that whatever you have is going to sit on the table. Okay, and... so it's like
1: I'm making a sandwich and the sandwich is sitting on the table that the kid was just sitting at. Yes, okay.
0: and let's say it was a group of students. You know, maybe it was your, your classroom table and there was a group of students sitting Okay,
1: on. and the other one is somebody brought in some treats, but they tend to smell of onion sandwich.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you would have concern about the cleanliness of that household.
1: I say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I like to try to improve my immune system. So I'm not really too shaken by either one of these two proposals. I would probably rather eat the thing that the kid brought into me simply because I don't have to do anything Like, I just eat it. There are a lot of folks, though, that that would be problematic for. I think maybe this is a, a not good question for me because I eat food that as long as I kind of know the person, like, they've taken three bites and they're like, I don't really want this anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I'll eat it. I don't care.
0: <laughs> I just like <laughs> okay. food. I just like food. I man. am going to jump in right now and say I am, I've been really aware lately of how freely high school students will share mouth-to-mouth items. Oh, yeah. That really bothers me. I know. This one's a no-brainer for me. I would definitely rather eat off the table, and here's why. Yes, there might be some cold and flu bugs and stuff like that 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 might be sitting there, but probably not. We, we typically don't catch the cold or the flu through our mouth, I, I've heard recently. But the one thing that I'm always worried about is the food borne illnesses that could come from dirty kitchens. And so I would rather eat my own food off of a classroom table that has probably fairly recently been disinfected versus I don't know where this thing was made and what it was sitting on and what type of things it was made in.
1: Those are good considerations. I just never think of them. I just think, mmm, delicious cookie, and I want to eat it. I don't care. Okay, Chad, here's uh, number two. Would you rather participate in a school-wide talent show or monitor... A three-hour Saturday
0: school. This is not even a would-you-rather. First of all, I would hate to go going on Saturday, but, you know, three-hour Saturday school, probably get a lot done. And more importantly, one of the top five of my keep-me-up-at-night do-not-want-to-do ever is to do any sort of of make-an-idiot-of-myself in front of a student body. So a school talent show sounds like one of the worst things ever. I would definitely do a three-hour Saturday school.
1: I would 100% do the opposite. Last year I had to do a dance thing in front of the whole school, which if you have ever met me, you know that I am a terrible dancer, but I didn't care. I mean,
0: no, no, Clint, you're not a terrible dancer. No, I dancer. am.
1: It's <laughs> I, your your fake protest is <laughs> is noted and appreciated. But you're lying. Especially since
0: I agreed at first. Right, (laughs) yes.
1: But uh, I also had to do the uh, whole Fresh Prince of Bel-Air opening theme song, rap, uh, or lip-synced it at least. Yeah, I am down to be an idiot in front of people so much more than take time out of my personal life to go do school stuff, Uh, especially monitoring Saturday school because these are generally kids that didn't do what they were supposed to do in the first place. And so now you're dealing with them in a concentrated setting. It's like, I love orange juice, but I don't want to eat like orange juice concentrate. That's gross. So I'd rather... I'd rather have the, uh, I'd rather go out and, and be an idiot.
0: <laughs> the classic orange juice concentrate analogy. <laughs> it's a good one, right? It works every time. <laughs> Would you rather be required to always have to wear a school themed polo shirt every day to work or never be able to wear jeans to work?
1: That's easy. I only own two pairs of jeans. I don't care about jeans. I don't think that they're that comfortable, really. Maybe because I'm too cheap to buy good jeans. I tend to buy the ones that are at the big box store for $15. Right. And I usually have them so that I can have something to work in the yard in. And most of the pants that I buy for school are very comfortable. And they're like, they're kind of a jean cut anyway. They just have different colors. I would rather wear those anyway. And I don't like polo shirts. So I would 100% wear my regular clothes and never be allowed to wear jeans. How about
0: you? First of all, we need to probably have a whole discussion about jeans. And uh, we can do that off the air. I got some tips for you. Uh, (laughs) Second of all, I usually wear jeans towards the end of the week. I think I've joked about this on the show, but I kind of have this cycle. Like, the first couple days, I always wear, like, a shirt and tie and stuff, and then I get progressively more casual as the week goes on. I enjoy wearing jeans, but if I was told I could never wear them again, like, I wouldn't be super upset. Like, I've always been in favor of some sort of uniform for teachers because it just makes one less decision that you have to make in the morning. So if I was required to always wear... A school shirt. I wouldn't mind as long as it was not some crappy, ill-fitting, poor-taste shirt that you had to wear all the time. That would kind of suck. You
1: wouldn't enjoy a halter top then?
0: (laughs) No, exactly. So I think I would rather never be able to wear jeans as well. Okay.
1: We agree, but for different reasons. So, Chad, here's another one. Would you rather never be allowed to make another photocopy or not be able to project any images or write anything on a whiteboard or put anything up for display?
0: I think I would rather not be able to write on a board or a screen. The way we teach math now, we do a lot of collaborative work. I'm going from group to group and kind of working with them individually. I have little tiny whiteboards that I can still erase, but they're basically like the size of a piece of paper. I could use those. So like, I think I would adapt better if I just couldn't do anything up on the screen anymore. And not being able to make copies, like, I don't even understand, like, I mean, we give tests, and there's all kinds of handouts I do, and it would be really hard to not make copies. So I I would give up writing on the screen or the board. Oh, no
1: thank you, sir. I got two words for you. Google Classroom. There's not any other reason that I would ever need to make copies if I just had access to Google Classroom again. Because all of that information just goes straight to their computer, straight into their account. You take care of all the things you need to do. I hate making copies. Uh, In fact, back when I was teaching in Astoria and had Google to work with, I made almost zero copies at that point. Because I was able to have everything electronic, which meant I couldn't lose it. Like making copies is the worst because I'm forever like, where did I set these things down? Where are they now? Oh, yeah. I'm just a, such a disorganized person that I need it to be electronic. And being able to project things up on the board, kids walk into the room, it's up on the board, they can see what their instructions are for the day, what they're going to work on. I just don't see the use of tons and tons of copies as being that helpful for me anymore. I would much rather go all electronic. Also, unlike you, I love the planet and I don't want to destroy <laughs> all the trees just so that I can have a little bit more convenient life, Chad. Yeah, I hate the (laughs) planet. You're right. All right, well, that's a good start. I think we're going to come back to some more of these in just a minute. But right now, we're going to take a quick break from one of our sponsors.
0: Are you too busy to make a home-cooked dinner after a long day teaching other people's kids? Needing a day off to recharge? Flu Apron has the solution you're looking for. That's right. Flu Apron sends you fresh, delicious, pre-portioned ingredients to make unbelievably delicious meals but also provides a special viral blend to make you just the right amount of sick. You know, sick enough to skip work without feeling guilty, but not so sick you won't enjoy binge watching stranger things from your couch all day. So the next time you're needing a great meal and a day off, think flu apron. Yum. Okie okay, dokie, here we are, we're back. We're gonna do a few more would you rathers. We're gonna kinda of get into some a little bit more kind of like content or kind of education related <laughs> topics here. This is a big debate right now. Uh, Would you rather start school at 7.30 and end at 2.30 or start school at 9 a.m. and end at 4 o'clock?
1: That's interesting because I've done both, or at least pretty close to both. Astoria starts around 8 o'clock, right? Yep. And uh, we start at 8.45 and go till 3.30. We have a really short lunch, which is why we don't go all the way to like 3.45 or 4. And I got to say, I preferred starting earlier for me because my... Old man body clock wakes me up early, and just going and getting things done makes me feel more efficient, and it makes my life a lot easier, and I like having more time in the afternoon than in the morning. It just works better for me. However, I have noticed that my students tend to be more alert and productive during my first block class when they start at 845 than when they start at 8 or at 730 or whatever. So it's kind of a toss-up as to whether I want what's best for the kids or what I want what's best for me. Selfishly I would rather start earlier in the morning. I think kids can adapt. Uh, The only big problem is that they just won't go to bed. That's
0: the thing is I feel like for me it's not about when I go to bed. It's like more about how much sleep I get. It's not as much about the clock as it is about like the amount of sleep. So I feel like if a kid knew that they didn't have to come in for another hour, does that just mean they stay up another hour later does it really change that alertness I, I mean i i agree with you personally i would rather start i mean i go in at seven so i would love to start early i've always said that i would never want to be a person who has to like work in the evenings and in afternoons and like have their free time in the mornings because i just like to get up get to work get it done and then have my time now personally i would rather do that I know kids would probably benefit from a late start, but the one question I have is, by far, my least engaged class, like, as long as I've been a teacher, has been my last period of the day.
1: That's 100% the truth.
0: I guess you could make an argument that it might just be because it's the end of the day. It's not the time of day, but it's more just, like, the fact that, like, dude, we're almost done. But... I would wonder about how they would do at 2.30 to 4 and how that changes things because that's always been a nightmare. So like, does that mean now my last two periods are super tired and disengaged? So I'd be curious how that goes. So long story short, I would rather start school early and end early. All I care about is me.
1: That makes sense. So here's a fairly common thing in, in our lives. Would you rather come into work all day long, but you're feeling sick And you kind of just don't want to be there. You're under the weather. Everything is a little bit off. Or would you rather get up at five in the morning, go in, plan out your lessons, get everything set up, and then take the rest of the day
0: off? I think every teacher can relate to this. Um, Well, I think more often than not, teachers make themselves go in. Obviously, it depends on how sick. Sometimes some of the best things that have happened to me when I've been sick is that I've come into work and literally been so sick that I'm like, I have to go home. And then I don't even care <laughs> about like my sub plans. Cause I'm like, I think I'm about to throw up in a trash can. Like I just need to get home. That's usually a lot easier than when you're kind of like on the fence. I will usually talk myself out of staying home. I'll usually say I'm going to make it through today. And so I think I would rather... Work all day feeling sick, which I know we're not supposed to do.
1: That's what I do, too. And the sad thing is that there's a lot of teachers, because some, t- some districts and some places don't give a ton of sick leave. If they have to take care of, like, a sick child or something like that, they may have to come to work feeling sick because they don't want to burn their sick days because they might need them for their child. And then, you know, once you use up your sick day, then it starts affecting your paycheck, and that's not helpful. So, I usually choose to just go in sick, and honestly, most of the time when I feel sick in the morning, it's not very often that I feel sick all day long. Usually, being up and around, my body says, oh, I guess we're doing this, and then I do better. And then when I get home, I crash.
0: It's all that late night drinking you do.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> I told you how much I enjoy orange juice. Right. I think that sometimes that decision is almost made for you. Like you kind of just, you just got to stick it out, which sucks. It is kind of nice though, when you have like doctor's orders, like you don't feel well So you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, you can't go to work for such and such amount of time. Then it's like,
0: all right, I'll take it off. (laughs) It's like the burden is off of you. I was just telling you before we started recording today, like I've started to get better in the last couple of years about saying like, no, I I'm sick. I'm going to be sicker longer if I don't take this day off. You know, I think that's one of the mistakes we make, too, is that, you know, maybe one day off and you're going to feel better. But if you try to fight through it for three or four days, you're going to, you know, you're going to be a mess for a week.
1: When I was uh, first teaching, I got pretty sick and didn't have enough days. I didn't feel like I had enough days to kind of take the days off and, and really recover and just kept going and going and going and ended up giving myself pneumonia. Like my illness progressed to a point where I was extra sick. (laughs) And then I ended up having to take like two weeks off to recover and lost a lot of weight and was really, really ill. And if I had just been smart at the beginning and said, you know, if I take a couple days, I can recover from this and then I'll be able to get back at it. So yeah, you definitely have to be smart about how you treat your body with these kinds of things.
0: Here's an interesting one. Would you rather counsel a colleague who you don't know very well about maybe something personal or maybe some difficulties they're having in school or counsel a student? Just to clarify
1: in my own head, are we talking about like I'm I'm counseling them about school related things or am I counseling them about personal related things?
0: So this is the way I imagine it. They're school related, but, you know, sometimes that stuff bleeds over a little bit. Like if someone corners you in the copy room is just like, man, I'm having a really hard time. Uh, Let's say maybe they cry a little bit. Clint, you see some tears, but it's about school stuff. Personally, I would rather talk to a student because
1: I feel more comfortable talking to students than I do adults. I find adulthood to be strange and mysterious, and I, I don't understand how to be an adult and have adult conversations And with kids, I feel like I might actually have some experience that would give me the expertise maybe necessary to help them through whatever it is that they're dealing with, because I have been a kid, and I've worked with lots and lots of different students and seen lots of different things happen, and so I would rather talk to a student. However, at the same time, what scares me about talking to students about these kinds of things, especially when they start bleeding into the personal, is that I am not a counselor, and I am not qualified to talk about certain things, and... Knowing where that line is and being able to be professional and not let it affect the relationship that you have with that kid within the classroom. Like, you don't want to give bad advice. You don't want to tell a kid something that then ends up causing them more distress. Whereas an adult, I think, doesn't implicitly trust everything that you say. You know, you have a certain level of authority over kids that makes them think, well, this person's an expert in all things and whatever they say must be right. Uh, So there is a certain level of that that should make you cautious, but I still find adults far too mysterious. I'm good at listening to adults, but I'm not very good at like then advising on what to do next.
0: Well, first of all, I would say, you know, I I think a lot of times with kids and adults, sometimes people just need somebody to listen. So like feeling like you have to provide any sort of advice, I guess sometimes people are looking for that, but sometimes you just, you know, they just need somebody to to talk to, to listen. I would say, first of all, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You get, you have great advice on a lot of things. You have a ton of experience. I find that if a teacher is talking to me about difficulties they're having, I don't think of myself as this, but I'm in my 17th year of teaching now. And so a lot of times they are younger teachers who don't have as much experience, who are perhaps maybe looking at me and saying like, oh, this person probably has some really good advice. So I do feel more comfortable providing you know, actual tips or advice for a teacher who, who is struggling with, and sometimes maybe it's, with a specific kid or they're just like, man, I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. And, and being able to say like, yeah, I've had that t- trouble too. Like, here's some things that you might want to try. And honestly, sometimes with kids, they're coming from such a background that I quite honestly have a hard time connecting with that it is hard for me to give advice like you said as much as i'm open to listening to students all the time and i have no problem doing it if i had to choose one or the other as long as it was school related i actually would prefer to counsel a colleague
1: we're so different you and i i
0: know we've been like opposite on i think more of these than we've been been the same
1: well which is good you know what paula abdul says opposites attract you are paula abdul i am the animated cat (laughs) sweet She had really big hair in that video. That's the the main thing I remember. Okay, Chad, this is the last one of our would-you-rathers. Would-you-rather have a small class of 15 kids, but each one of those kids is extremely difficult. They're disengaged, they maybe have some trauma in their lives, and just as a group together, they are very challenging. But there's 15 of them. Or would you rather have 50 students who are well-behaved, but you have all 50 of them
0: at once? This is such a hard question. One of the problems with a small class of students with behavior issues is sometimes too small can actually be a problem because you kind of have like this classroom full dialogue kids can kind of yell across the room it feels like there's not any like buffering Uh, obviously you wouldn't want 30 poorly behaved students 15 is better than 30 but it can be really hard to have super small classes also when you don't have better behaved students to work within that classroom everything seems so magnified and sometimes it really feels like hurting cats the benefits of that though is i think and this takes a teacher with some confidence and some experience and stuff to be able to say like okay what is our goal today like what is going to be a win today and you could slowly kind of hopefully make progress with those kids as long as your kind of standard is is at a different place. And I'm not saying a low standard. I'm saying just like, what does success look like for these kids? Well, maybe it's just Johnny got his book out today. If you can feel good about like that, then that can be a positive. And by the end of the year, like maybe you feel like you've made some gains with those students. Now, 50 is a huge number. I don't care how well behaved. Not only is it difficult to teach, but it's also difficult. I mean, you're talking about grading and everything else. If it is a class where you can just lecture and you're going to have a bunch of kids who are going to sit and listen, that could probably be okay if you really like to hear yourself talk but just because they're well behaved doesn't mean they learn and that is not a good way to teach a group of kids so I feel like your success rate for them would still not be very great just because it's so many. I think I would have to pick the 15 worst behaved. I think what you can do
1: with the 15 worst behaved kids is if you can establish early these are the parameters of the class and you can be fairly firm on those things and I don't mean that you're a rude teacher and over overly strict, but you're just like, okay, this is what I expect out of you, and this is what's happening. And you have, like you said, incremental goals every day. You can make quite a bit of progress with 15 difficult kids. I've taught a class of 45 AP students, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best behaved, but generally AP students are fairly motivated and want to work. And it almost drove me out of teaching. I had to go to the administration and the counseling department and say, I can't do this anymore. We have to split this. And they ended up splitting it into two classes. And then I could handle it. But it was just, it was too much. So on this one, we agree. I would rather have 15 really hard kids. A lot of times those really hard kids, once they trust you, become less difficult to work with. Yeah, for sure.
0: That was fun. A lot of would you rathers. Uh, I think it's time for one more break after a word from our sponsor.
1: Hi, this is Clint Hill from the hit podcast, Schooled As a teacher, it is annoying having to go through so many pens and markers throughout the day. Dry erase for the whiteboard, red for correcting, blue for signatures, and permanent for posters. Every one of them uses a different ink, is a different size, and is easily lost. Pens are just the worst. Well, they used to be. Recently, the good people at Perfect Pens sent me a sample to try out for a week. It was amazing. No matter what application I needed the pen for, it was always the perfect pen for the job. I could go directly from writing notes on the whiteboard to signing a bathroom pass without missing a beat. The ink works in all circumstances. How do they do it? I don't know. I just host the world's greatest education podcast. I don't study ink technology. Besides being great for writing on all the surfaces you want it to be used on, it won't make a mark on things that it shouldn't. I'm forever ruining pants by sticking my pen in a pocket, forgetting about it, then running it through the wash. When I inevitably did that with my perfect pen, my pants were fine and my pen still worked. Kids can't graffiti the desks or give themselves fake tattoos, but they can label their folders with ease. Finally, these perfect pens are loss proof. I threw mine out the window in the middle of class just to see what would happen. As as soon as one of my students needed me to correct their essay, the pen was back in my hand. Good as new. So get yourself a perfect pen. They're perfect. Welcome back. It's now time for our favorite segment of the show. <laughs> Wait, what? It's our opportunity to talk about whatever we can't
0: get out of our heads.
1: Every once in a while on Twitter I will come across some kind of crazy news story that involves teachers and it just like sticks in my head and I can't handle it. Uh, we talked about at the beginning that we discussed the American education system. This one actually comes from India, but the headline from the BBC News was, Apology after Indian students wear cardboard boxes for exams. And basically what some teacher did was they cut a hole in the front of a cardboard box and then put it over the students heads like each kid has their own box on their head to prevent them from being able to see their neighbors work (laughs) so there's these pictures online of all these kids sitting with cardboard boxes on their heads working away and there are some students in the picture that don't have them and the teacher was like yeah I made it optional it was kind of a joke but it went viral on social media and the district had to like issue apologies and and all of that. But why this is stuck in my brain right now is that uh, I am just so so glad that social media didn't exist when I was a first, second, third-year teacher. Oh my gosh. Because I did some stupid things in my classroom, kind of as a joke. I had one student that was always just up and around and he was a really popular kid he was in my um honors english class and he was very very capable but he was just always up and around and one day i kept threatening him that i was going to tie him to his chair and i took masking tape so easy to break out of but i masking taped him to his chair one day and today that would have been out I also legitimately made what I called a sensory deprivation box, which was basically exactly what I was describing before with these Indian students, for a kid because she said that my room was too noisy. And so I gave her this thing and was like, here, you can wear this. And I put like little directional made of paper, ear hole things that would point just towards the front of the room. And she wore it. And like, I think somebody took a picture on their really crappy flip phone and we all laughed about it. And then she, you know, she put it away. But yeah, I could have definitely been one of those teachers that gets spread across the the social web just as a, this idiot teacher who screwed everything up. So yeah, I'm just like, as much as this thing stood out to me is like, what in the world? Why would you think to do that? Oh, wait, I did that. I'm so glad that the internet didn't really work that way <laughs> at that time.
0: Well, and out of context, those things can be totally misinterpreted, especially when you see a picture of it. My question is like, I feel like if you have all that cardboard and you're willing to spend the time cutting holes in all of them, like, I feel like you could have come up with lots of better ways to keep people from cheating. (laughs) Using the very items, make some little cardboard barriers or... I don't know. That's pretty fun. But if it I was... I just got to believe that they thought it was funny. Yeah, but if it was a big joke and they were all having fun with it, yeah. Uh, yeah. What you got today? This is what I can't get out of my head. I am like 12-year-old Chad right now. Yes! As the NBA season is starting. And I really have to go back to like when I was like 12 because I am so excited for the Portland Trailblazers basketball season to start this year. It's an exciting year. When we were growing up, it was the only professional sports team in, in Oregon. Yes, there are the Thorns and the Timbers now, which I have yet to kind of jump into but uh as as far as the way we were raised and what we grew up with this is what we know and you and i uh, are obviously big blazers fans and it's supposed to hopefully uh fingers crossed it's going to be a really exciting year but the the what i continue to ask myself and i'm so much more aware of this now clint because you and i record together and you live on the east coast and we are always like literally every time we text each other to plan a recording time we always have to say whose time we're talking about (laughs) right i have wondered this for my entire existence as a sports fan. How do East Coast sports fans watch sports? Oh, it sucks. Do you just stay up super late? Does the whole world on the East Coast just stay up late? Because even late games here, like a a five o'clock game that's actually starting on the East Coast, that's starting at eight o'clock, which means like most of these games aren't getting over till midnight. Is that just kind of the way it is and everyone's used to it? I think so because
1: it's very weird for me. I hate it. I basically just go to bed knowing that a game has started and then I wake up in the morning and watch the highlights. At least that's the way that I do it. You you have your own personal sports center where you just go to the social media page of that
0: team and watch all their highlights. I can't imagine watching a kickoff that starts at 10 o'clock at night. That is uh, long past my bedtime.
1: Well, that's also because we're old. Yes, absolutely. There was a time when we would have been willing to make that sacrifice. For sure. That time has passed. For sure. That's it, man. Well, that pretty much wraps up our show. You have a question? Want to share your opinions about any of the things we discussed on today's episode? Well, we have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Seahill
0: Astoria. You can find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and at my web store, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schoolyapod.com. And just a
1: quick reminder that all our sponsors, even Flu Apron, are fake. And as always, a big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. And if you like what
0: you heard, please subscribe.
1: And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, you could just tell a friend to listen. Or...
0: Perhaps you can streak at the big game with "Schoolja" printed on your chest. I'm pretty sure that's one of those things that, while oddly acceptable behavior 30 years ago, would probably put you in jail today. To be honest, nobody wants to see that.
1: So uh, don't do it. Just just (laughs) don't do that. You can just give us a rating and, and tell your friends. All right. That's good advice. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.